From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up yesterday, the Republican leader, Kevin McCarthy, along with Whip Steve Scalise, Jim Jordan, Jim Banks, and others, held a press conference prior to the start of the January 6th Select Committee, which held its first hearing yesterday. On January 6th, these brave officers were put into a vulnerable an impossible position because of the leadership at the top has failed. That was Kevin McCarthy saying the January 6th failure was at the top. Is the January 6th Select Committee an effort by Speaker Pelosi to distract attention away from the real culprit? We'll talk about it with Republican Whip Steve Scalise in just a moment. And what Americans think about mandatory vaccinations? Robert Cahaley, senior strategist and pollster with the Trafalgar Group, has been asking that question, and he joins us with the answer. Earlier this week, we spoke with Senator Lindsey Graham about the massive spending that Democrats are proposing in Congress. We touched on the growing threat of inflation, the skyrocketing consumer prices. But if Democrats succeed in passing their $3.5 trillion grab bag of leftist goodies, who will bear the taxes needed to fund it? Well, just put it this way. It's not what you've been told. We'll talk about it with Congressman Kevin Brady of Texas, ranking member on the House Committee on Ways and Means. And word from Capitol Hill is that the Senate has reached an agreement on the bipartisan infrastructure bill, the $1.2 trillion bill. A vote could occur as early as tonight. We'll get the latest from Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn. And China now flexing its muscles in Hong Kong with the first conviction of a person under the sweeping national security law. Tong Yingkit was found guilty of successionism and terrorism for riding his motorcycle into a group of police officers while carrying a flag that had the banned slogan, Liberate Hong Kong. He is facing life in prison. We'll talk about it later here on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Just a reminder tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Pray Vote Stand. You can find it at PrayVoteStand.org. I'll talk more about what's coming up tonight later. But first... Yesterday on this program, we talked about the first House Select Committee hearing on the events of January the 6th, which came uh, just, uh, it well, lasted about three and a half hours and came just days after Nancy Pelosi rejected two of the House Minority Leader's five picks. As I mentioned earlier, ahead of the hearing yesterday, Republican leaders held a press conference highlighting the partisan nature of the investigation and the speaker's efforts to direct the narrative in order to draw attention away from the failures of top-level leadership. With me now to talk more about this is House Republican Whip Steve Scalise. He represents the 1st Congressional District of Louisiana. Steve, welcome back to the program. Hey, it's always great to be back with you, Tony. All right, Steve, so what are your thoughts on yesterday's hearing? Is it just what you thought it would be? Well, Speaker Pelosi made it clear uh, for weeks that she doesn't really want to be focused on just getting the truth out. She wants to get her narrative out because she denied uh, not only members that we were going to put on the committee, Jim Jordan uh, and Jim Banks. And and Jim Jordan, by the way, was asking some very specific, tough questions weeks leading up to this hearing, uh, asking questions like, what did Speaker Pelosi know? There are reports out there that she was given uh, intelligence weeks before January 6th that the National Guard should should be there at the Capitol and that she turned it down. Uh, there were reports out that she was given a note the morning of January 6th that they need the National Guard and that she turned it down. 
Jim was going to be raising these questions. And then Speaker Pelosi kicked him off the committee before it even started because she doesn't want those questions asked. There were the head of Capitol Police uh, Union, the head of the police union, wanted to come and testify about some of the things that they knew uh, that they were trying to get for, for tools for Capitol Police to be better prepared that they were not given. And Speaker Pelosi would not let him testify. So clearly she doesn't want the truth. She wants her own narrative, one side of whatever she wants to talk about. And as you said earlier, too, uh, she does not want to be talking about the real radical socialist things they're doing today, last week, next week, to raise taxes, to kill jobs, uh, to increase inflation that we're seeing all across the country, the border crisis, which is now becoming, by the way, a super spreader event of a new variant, uh, the Lambda variant that's coming from Peru up through our southern border because President Biden's got the border wide open. All of this is going on. Uh, they don't want to talk about it. And that's a lot of what this has to do with why she kept some of our members off the committee who were going to be asking those tough questions. As I read through uh, some of the statements that were made yesterday, to me, it looks just like political theater, which would be consistent with what Nancy Pelosi has done uh, really since the election. Uh, in fact, since retaking the gavel as speaker, you made a point yesterday in the press conference, and it's it's one thing that the media is really not talking about. The fact that there's already been a bipartisan investigation into this in the United States Senate. It was both parties, Republican and Democrat. They made recommendations. They pointed out the failures. Why is no one paying attention to that? Why as does there need to be what appears to be a very partisan investigation in the House? Right. And, Tony, this is an important point because, look, the Justice Department is investigating this. FBI is investigating. They've made arrests all across the country. Every person that's been identified to be in the Capitol illegally has already been arrested. Uh, and then there are other investigations. The Senate did a bipartisan investigation, an actual bipartisan investigation. And then here comes Speaker Pelosi making it hyperpartisan and then going one step further, not just kicking off Jim Jordan, not just kicking off Jim Banks, but making it clear that any questions related to the speaker's duties, what did Speaker Pelosi know? Did she or didn't she turn down National Guard help weeks in advance? That is now not even allowed to be part of the discussion uh, because she controls the whole committee and she kicked off people who were going to be asking those questions. Uh, that that totally takes away any credibility that this committee had. It shows that it's about her promoting her agenda. And that's a shame because the Capitol Police deserve better. Uh, everybody who, who cares about the United States Capitol and wants to get to the facts deserve better than this. Hey, Congressman Steve Scalise, I, we're, we probably didn't bring this point out. We talked about it. But under the structure of the Congress, the speaker has ultimate authority of what happens there on the on the grounds. And so she is the buck stops with her. Yeah, she fired the sergeant at arms that day. You know, we, we wanted, by the way, to talk to the sergeant at arms. You can't talk to the sergeant at arms. Uh, but ultimately, one of my colleagues on the Republican side, Rodney Davis, who was going to be on that committee, and obviously he wasn't even able to be there. Uh, Rodney Davis last year had proposed reforms to the Capitol Police Board, the board that governs Capitol Police, to make it less political. You know, why should a Speaker of the House be the one to determine whether or not the Capitol Police have the tools they need to be safe? If it was recommended to Speaker Pelosi that they have backup, whether it's National Guard, whether it's more uh, more hardware, uh, why should the Speaker of the House be saying no? And by the way, this is the same Speaker of the House who last summer was embracing the defund police movement. Uh, 
Uh, so look at the record of a lot of the people, by the way, on that committee. Uh, many of them embraced the defund the police movement uh, that, that helped lead to this. They don't want to talk about what happened during the summer when cops all around the country were being murdered. Cities were right. being burned down. People, civilians were being beaten in the streets by a lot of these uh, gangs and thugs that were never arrested. No arrests were made there. Uh, and they don't want to have any discussion about that. And the, some of those same people, including Kamala Harris, who were raising bail right. money for the people who were burning down some of these cities, uh, are, are now uh, acting like they've reversed course. They've never denounced the defund the police movement. Uh, Steve, I know you've got to, to go, but very quickly, talking about political theater, I know Nancy Pelosi making the announcement mask her back in the Capitol because of the CDC uh, statement yesterday. The uh, this, I would assume, is going to extend the proxy voting, which is allowed members not to even come to Congress to vote, you know, wherever they are in the world and has allowed her to maintain control over a very slim majority with a very slim majority in Congress. Yeah, like, this is this is a lot about politics and unfortunately, the politicization of the CDC. I think you saw that the New York Times today wrote an opinion piece blasting the CDC for giving so many mixed messages uh, and promoting a vaccine hesitancy by saying one day, you know, get the vaccine, it'll help you, allow you to do the things you did and you don't have to wear masks. And then yesterday, uh, without any real notice, yesterday morning, D.C. was not considered a hot spot. They changed the, the criteria uh, and named it a hot spot so that Speaker Pelosi can immediately institute a new mask mandate. They kept proxy voting going. Uh, with a special election we had in Texas last night where Republicans won another special election seat, Pelosi right now until November only has a three-seat majority. That's how close the majority is right now. And with proxy voting, she's able to control yeah. all of her members and get all of her votes in. And I think a lot of this has to do with controlling that, uh, trying to keep people shut down. We don't need another shutdown. We don't need yes. schools shut down. People uh, should be able to live their life. Uh, this is about government control, and that's why we're trying to fire Speaker Pelosi. If, if it were not, then in good faith, she should say, you know, what? we're going to do away with proxy voting. Um, you know, we're, everyone would have to live by her authoritarian rule, even her own party. But she is she is using this as cover for clamping down and putting in place for the first time ever these types of rules in the House. And I think the American people yeah. are seeing it. And I appreciate you speaking. And out by the way, it. they had no problem with those Democrats coming over from Texas, avoiding their job in Texas, right. spreading COVID all throughout the White House, the speaker's office. You know, they don't even want to talk about that. Uh, it's those Democrats that are spreading it. Uh, and yet they want to take away our rights right now. Yeah. Steve Scalise, thanks for joining us today. Always great to see you. Great being with you, Tony. Thanks. All right. Congressman Steve Scalise of my home state of Louisiana represents the first congressional district, and he is uh, the minority whip in the House. All right. Uh, is mandatory COVID vaccinations coming? Uh, yesterday, the president was asked uh, about this question. Go uh, to clip one, please. We have a pandemic because of the unvaccinated. We're solving enormous issues. The more we learn, the more we learn about this virus and the Delta variation, the more we have to be worried and concerned. And then only one thing we know for sure, if those other 100 million people got vaccinated, we'd be in a very different world. 
So the president asked by a reporter yesterday whether or not uh, mandatory vaccinations would be required for federal employees. And he said, well, look, we know what the problem is. It's the unvaccinated. I'm going to go back to what I talked about yesterday with Dr. Roger Marshall, senator from Kansas. There's no discussion about natural immunity here. It's only about vaccines for everybody, whether they need them or not. Now, the president also expected to make an announcement uh, this week mandating, there's already hinting at it, saying it's going to be mandated for federal workers and for contractors. What do you think about that? Is that, should the vaccine be mandatory? I've got, I'm going to actually put out a poll question uh, for you to answer. And coming up next, we're going to be joined um, by uh, Robert Kahaley is going to be, I'm trying to remember who it was. He's going to be talking with us about a poll question that he's taken. He's asked the American people, what do you think about this? Should every American be vaccinated? Should it be mandatory or should people be able to make the choice on their own? He's coming up next, going to be joining us. Also, if you want to uh, take the poll question that I have for you, you can text radio to 53445. That's 53445. Should the vaccine be mandatory or should it be left up to individuals? I think you know where I stand. Text radio to 53445. All right, don't go away. Robert Haley joins us next here on Washington Watch as we take a look at what the American people are thinking about not only the COVID vaccine, but also critical race theory. He's done some interesting polling on that as well. That and more coming up on this edition of Washington Watch. When it comes to reading the Bible, sometimes it can be difficult to know where to start or to understand how to apply scripture to everyday life. There are also those passages that leave people scratching their heads, wondering what some things even mean and what they're supposed to make of it. We all know that scripture is divinely inspired and given by God, and it's useful to us as God uses it to prepare and equip us to do good work for his kingdom, to grow us and to bring us closer to him. God's Word is powerful, but it shouldn't intimidate you. That's why Family Research Council offers the Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan. It's a two-year plan that helps you read the Bible daily so you can stay grounded in God's truth, navigate our culture from a biblical worldview, and grow closer to God. This plan will help you to practice the discipline of reading Scripture every day so you can be transformed by God's Word. Sign up to get the daily passages and questions today by visiting frc.org slash Bible. God is the author of life and has created man in His image. Therefore, we must respect the inherent dignity of every human life, from conception until natural death. That is why Family Research Council works to pass legislation that highlights this principle, including laws that protect the unborn. To keep you informed on this issue, FRC has created online maps that illustrate progress in each state on key pro-life laws. That way, you can know if your state legislators are working to protect unborn babies. The pro-life laws FRC tracks at the state level include those addressing late-term abortions, fetal dignity, defunding abortion businesses, and providing medical care for babies born alive after an attempted abortion. See where your state stands on pro-life abortion. Check out our pro-life maps at frc.org. 
slash Most Americans believe they have a biblical worldview, but current research shows that only 6% actually have one. This means that most of our friends and neighbors, including those who attend church, don't think about the day's moral and cultural issues through a biblical lens. Increasingly, we see the disastrous effects of a culture that has rebelled against the truth of God's Word. That is why Family Research Council has launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. This center is an exciting new ministry created to help Christians develop and live by a biblical worldview, to understand why scriptures must be authoritative, and to equip believers to advance and defend the faith in the workplace, in schools, in their communities, and in the public square. The experts at FRC's Center for Biblical Worldview provide research and resources to help prepare believers to give a biblical answer to our culture's most pressing questions. Access the center's free resources at frc.org slash worldview. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Coming up tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Pray, Vote, Stand, our weekly edition. This week focused on the Hyde Amendment, that barrier between taxpayers and abortion funding. Uh, It's at risk. In fact, even as we speak, uh, this is being debated on Capitol Hill. We're going to be talking about that tonight, PrayVoteStand.org at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. All right, I'm going to play you a little longer clip of uh, what the president had to say yesterday as I suggested that mandatory vaccinations, the president obviously making that uh, clear that that's coming. Yesterday, as he was concluding a visit to the office of the director of national intelligence, President Biden was asked a, uh, a question by a reporter uh, on his administration potentially requiring all federal employees to get the COVID vaccine. Clip five. That's under consideration right now, but if you're not vaccinated, you're not nearly as smart as I thought you were. Are you concerned that the CDC's new max guidance could sow confusion? We have a pandemic because of the unvaccinated, and they're sowing enormous confusion. And the more we learn, the more we learn about this virus and the Delta variation, the more we have to be worried and concerned. And then only one thing we know for sure. If those other 100 million people got vaccinated, we'd be in a very different world. So get vaccinated. You know, we have a pandemic because of the unvaccinated. No, we have a pandemic because China and the coronavirus. Um, this is, of course, these are talking points. I, pl- I played a clip e- earlier in the week from uh, Governor Gavin Newsom, and that was essentially the same thing, blaming the unvaccinated. Now we're hearing the vaccine, the vaccine not as effective as they thought, and, and they're changing their tune. Originally, get the vaccine, you won't get sick. Now get the vaccine, at least you won't die. may not work, may not keep you from getting sick, but you won't die. Well, joining me now to talk more about where the American people are on this issue of mandatory vaccination is Robert Cahaley. He's senior strategist and pollster at the Trafalgar Group. Uh, Robert, welcome back to Washington Watch. Very nice to be here today. So, Robert, you, uh, along with the uh, in partnership with the Convention of States Action, you 
surveyed Americans to see where they stand on this issue of mandatory vaccination for the COVID virus. What did you find? Uh, this uh, first point, this uh, survey was conducted after the Delta variant uh, was moving around. So it, that and that's an important distinction. But even at that point, mandatory vaccination only had the support of 21.8 percent of the population <clears throat> with 71.4 uh, saying it should be a personal choice. Now, that also even as we broke down among party identifications, that's 58.7% of Democrats said it would be a personal choice, 87.3% uh, of Republicans, and 67.2% of uh, no party or independents. That's, uh, those numbers are pretty strong uh, in opposition to a mandated vaccine. You know, they are, especially if you look at historically um, – and this is how we know something's different about COVID. We've seen this when asking parents about whether they think their kids should have to have the vaccine. When you look at people's general opinion of other vaccinations, uh, you know, things like smallpox uh, and uh, a lot of the, uh, you know, the other diseases, uh, polio, things like that that are kind of accepted, the numbers aren't near that wide. So there is a skepticism about uh, COVID and COVID vaccines um, in the public, be it right or wrong, uh, that exist. And it is a different standard than they feel about most vaccinations that, you know, all but a few pretty much take for granted. So I guess I would be asking you, Robert, to uh, speculate on this, but maybe you did ask some questions about, it. I mean, is this because of the how it's been politicized with the CDC and the mask and all of this? You know, it, it has a lot of different manifestations. I mean, the, the people people have a way of kind of getting to their own truth. Uh, just as like with the Wuhan lab, uh, people determined, hey, it's more than a coincidence that there's a lab and that's where the thing came from. Just like with the unemployment, it's more, more than a coincidence that the government's paying people not to work and people aren't, people aren't coming to work. People have figured out that there's something to this, that there is a frustration that there seems to be no acknowledgement of the internal. We hear it's the feedback we get. There's no acknowledgement of the uh, antibodies that you have once you've had the virus. Right, right. So people would feel a lot more confident if, you know, if it was, yes, if you've been vaccinated or if you recently had the COVID vaccine and recovered from it. But that's yeah. not the way it's being presented. It's all vaccine or nothing with no exceptions. And they are hearing about some problems. Uh, and, you know, some one of the comments we got, the most common is that it, it disturbs people how hard they seem to be pushing. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it is. I mean, as you said, people can figure this out. They're not they're not stupid, as the president indicated, just because they don't have a, a vaccine vaccination. Uh, very quickly, we're almost out of time. Um, critical race theory. You did some polling on that as well. What did you find out? Where do the American people stand? Well, we had uh, some pretty some pretty clear differences on uh, critical race theory. And uh, one of the, uh, and this, this was not actually a poll about critical race theory. This was a poll about what people think should be done if it came to their schools, which is very different. Uh, but I think that's the poll we're referencing right now. Um, uh, we found that the majority of people uh, oppose critical race theory, and we found that is uh, in excess of 35% among even African Americans. But 
the, the particular poll was about what people think should be done if it comes to their school. And we had a combination of the ones that said that they should uh, leave the school at, at 27% or they should take up the school board at 24% or at least teach a contradictory opinion at home at, at 29.1%. People certainly have an opinion on it, and I think it's another one of those issues that's been politicized. People are hearing about it, and uh, they're figuring it out. This is indoctrination. Uh, Robert Kahaley, great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us this afternoon. Thank you. All right, folks, uh, don't go away, because on the other side of the break, we're going to be talking with Kevin Brady, ranking member on the House Ways and Means Committee, about what all this spending is going to do and who's going to pay for it. You might be surprised. Maybe you won't be. And also text the word radio to 53445. That's 53445. Weigh in on today's poll question about vaccinations. Should they be mandatory? Are you looking for a go-to platform where you can get relevant commentary on the cultural issues of the day from a biblical perspective? Today, it can be hard to find this in light of media censorship of conservative and Christian voices. Here at Family Research Council, we believe that every American has a right to exercise their freedom of speech and share their stories with the world. And we think it's important for you to have access to these stories. To get the facts and stories the left doesn't want you reading, head over to frc.org slash blog to check out our newest blog posts. We cover the issues you care about, all written by our experts in policy, government affairs, and biblical worldview. Our experts unpack the topics that other media platforms won't, like current events that affect Christians internationally, sexuality from a biblical perspective, and insights into the increasingly radical shift in American culture. To stay up to date on current news related to faith, family, and freedom, go to frc.org slash blog. We're seeing more and more cases of censorship and the canceling of many conservatives and Christians by big tech companies. To combat this, Family Research Council has chosen to be proactive before big tech tries to censor or cancel us. We want to stay connected with you, and so we've created a tech subscription platform. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom, even if big tech tries to silence us. It's easy. You just sign up for the text alerts by texting STAND to 67742, and you'll get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and FRC will keep you looped in on the issues of the day. By subscribing, you'll get information on our upcoming events and programs. We want you to always have access to the content that will help you stand for faith, family, and freedom, and keep you connected with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. This is Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Coming up tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Pray Vote Stand. We'll be talking about the Hyde Amendment. That is the, the, that's the provision. Henry Hyde, former Illinois congressman, he's now deceased. Uh, he put that on back in 1975, and it has been protecting taxpayers from being forced into partnership with Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry ever since. But even though it's long been a neutral ground for the two parties when it comes to the issue of abortion, not any longer. 
Uh, there's a big effort to remove it and force you to fund abortion. Find out what's happening tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, prayvotestand.org. All right, speaking of spending, President Biden said last week that we've seen, um, you know, in, in light of his, in, in the, as a result of his spending and the big things he's been pushing through, we've seen record growth, record job creation over the first six months of his presidency. Of course, Republicans on the House Committee on Ways and Means, on the other hand, say President deserves failing grades on his six-month economic report card as he's as we're even looking at more spending, $3.5 trillion in the grab bag that the left wants to pass of all of their goodies. Who's going to pay for that, and what will that do to our economy? Joining me now to talk about this, Congressman Kevin Brady. He, chair, he is the ranking member on the House Ways and Means Committee. He represents the 8th Congressional District of Texas. Uh, Kevin, welcome back to the program. Thanks. Tony, thanks for having me. All right, let's start with a job growth. Uh, you gave the president an F on job growth. Let's talk about it. Yeah, so, you know, 2021 should be roaring, as you would think, because we have life-saving vaccines. More of the regions are opening up. President Trump's uh, economic recovery from the vaccine or from the pandemic beat every expectation. Then there's trillions of dollars COVID stimulus, but job growth has actually slowed down in the first half of 2021. President Biden is about 1.4 million jobs uh, fewer added than President Trump did in the last six months of 2021, or 2020, excuse me. Economic growth uh, is slowing down after the sugar high of all this government spending. A new estimate so that our growth uh, for the rest of the decade will be cut by about 30%. As you know, too, you know, wages are down mainly because inflation every month this year since president biden uh took office inflation is rising twice as fast as paychecks so families are actually losing ground uh every month the other point i would make that economic optimism and confidence is down dramatically these last 30 days so you know this this economy should be roaring back and i think president biden's leadership frankly is what is slowing it down you know, you talk about uh, real wage growth that pam- that folks experience under the Trump administration. I mean, real wage growth, not just more dollars, but it actually had more buying power. That's being eaten up by the inflation and the soaring prices we see under the Biden policies. But let's talk very quickly because I know you got to run. But the fact that they're pushing this another three point five trillion dollars in spending, who's going to pay for that? Yeah. So one. Uh, uh, families immediately are going to pay for it in higher prices. That this government spending just unprecedented is driving those prices up. So is President Biden's uh, programs that pay people more to stay home and go back to work, driving up prices as well. And, and you shove another three and a half trillion dollars into the economy, you'll see that. But I think long term, Tony, uh, this is the greatest expansion of America's welfare state that we have ever seen. Uh, most of these programs don't require families to work. Uh, It really sets uh, the hook for more families to rather just rely on government checks than to get that skill, work themselves out of poverty and actually give themselves new opportunities. We saw this under President Trump's tax reform. We lifted 6 million Americans out of of poverty. We started to, to shrink the income inequality because we're helping people who've been left behind by the government, Washington, 
directives in the old tax code. And so my biggest worry is long term, this is this is crushing amount of spending. But I, I really worry that this creates a new generation of government yeah. dependence. That's not good for anyone. And it zaps uh, the energy out of our economy yeah. because it takes people out. Uh, Kevin, I know you got to go cast a vote on the House floor. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Always great to talk with you. See you, Tony. Thank you. All right, Kevin Brady, ranking member on the House Ways and Means Committee. Look, it's it's real simple. You want to encourage people to to work because when people work, number one, there's a sense of satisfaction that comes with that. They're producing for themselves and they're also producing for society. They better society. And as he was making mention, we saw record unemployment under the Trump administration, growing economy. We saw people moving out of poverty. Government doesn't get people out of poverty. What what government does in their government spending, they lock people into a mentality that keeps them in poverty. It's it's impoverished thinking that results from government spending. And then what happens, you just raise the bar in terms of the level of poverty. So people just, they may have more money, but they're still in poverty. This is, there's nothing good about Biden's economic program. The spending, the taxes that are going to flow from it. religious freedom and why should you care about it, both domestically and internationally? By definition, religious freedom is the freedom to hold religious beliefs of one's choice and to live according to those beliefs. At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a harrowing reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media, even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to mount in many regions of the world. God calls Christians to care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To learn more about this issue and what you can do to help, go to frc.org slash IRF to check out Family Research Council's latest resources on international religious freedom. Christians are called to seek after the Lord above all things. This means we must pray unceasingly, vote our biblical values, and boldly stand for truth. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission every Wednesday as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to encourage brothers and sisters in Christ to focus their attention on the Lord in every aspect of their lives. Pray, Vote, Stand will help equip you to stand for biblical truth in the midst of a confusing time in our culture. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. 
This year, let's commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. To watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts, visit PrayVoteStand.org. That's PrayVoteStand.org. Want honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world? Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday by tuning into Washington Watch. You can listen to the show whenever it works for you. Go to TonyPerkins.com to stream episodes on demand or listen by radio through American Family and Radio Network, Bot Radio, the KTLW Radio Network, or independent Christian radio stations across the country. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Mike Pompeo, Senator Marsha Blackburn, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Sissy Graham Lynch, and more. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day by tuning into Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com. Again, that's TonyPerkins.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host, the website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, uh, poll question. I had it out there for you. If you'd like to take it, it's regarding the COVID vaccine. Should it be mandatory or should taking the vaccine be a personal choice? I'd like to hear what you think. I think you know what I think. Um, I think it should be a personal choice. Um, But as we heard earlier, it appears that federal government, the Biden administration pushing to make it mandatory to start with for federal employees. But here's the thing that happens when they take this step on the federal level. We're already seeing it yesterday after the mask mandate. We see states now reimposing this mass mandate, despite the fact the science isn't there to back it up. Uh, And now this shaming of unvaccinated people. And as uh, Robert Robert Cahaley talked about, and I've talked about it many times, there's no accommodation made for people who have natural immunity. There's no discussion, which raises the suspicion or the the doubt about what's behind this. Why are they pushing this? Again, I'm not against vaccines. If you're if you are in a high-risk category, you haven't had it, you probably want to think about getting it, but that's your choice. But I want to know what you think. Is it your choice, or should it be mandated by government? Text RADIO to 53445. That's 53445. And take the survey. Okay, um, Senator Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee is going to be joining us in just a minute. But I, I want to cover this. Yesterday, during a hearing of the Congressional Executive Commission on China, Senator Tom Cotton was questioning one of Coca-Cola's global vice presidents for human rights, that's his job, um, on the company's hypocrisy when it comes to Georgia and China. Remember, they weighed in on Georgia's election law, saying how bad it was. They're sponsoring the Genocide Olympic Games in China, the Winter Olympics, but they're not saying anything about it. Uh, Play clip number six. You are spending millions of dollars to sponsor the Genocide Olympics, yet you will not opine on any matter about it, yet you will stick your nose in the Georgia legislature's election reform laws. Can you explain to me the contrast? First, let me say that we do not make decisions on these host locations. We support and follow the athletes wherever they compete. Yeah, no, I've heard your talking points, and I'm tired of hearing them, Mr. Lawley. I'm asking you a simple question. 
Why is it that Coca-Cola will opine on Georgia's election laws, but not on the genocide Olympics? And guess what? He didn't get an answer. Uh, In fact, I think there were five different uh, U.S. corporations, maybe six. Only one of them actually said when he went down. He asked asked a very straightforward question. He goes, do you agree with what the Trump and Biden administrations have said is happening in China is genocide with the Uyghur people? And all but one simply dodged the question. This is a part of the problem. Corporate America is more concerned about offending China than they are about what's doing right, doing what's right. Now, they don't mind jumping in, as he pointed out, here in the United States into issues like election laws in Georgia and opining as to how bad they are, but they won't say anything about China that's killing people. I I, I tell you, this woke corporate America is absolutely astounding. In fact, embarrassing, disgusting. I mean, I, I, I tell you. these. And, and so what, what do you do? What do you do about it? Well, number one, you make personal choices based upon where these corporations are. I avoid, you know, diet woke. You know, I, I, like, I like a diet Coke every afternoon, usually, sometimes. I've switched. I, I'm going to the off-brand. I'm not going to support them. I'm not going to support Nike. I'm not going to support these companies that are complicit. And Hollywood, by the way, is a big, big part of this. Anyway, we're we're going to talk more about this. Uh, But first, I'm going to be joined now by U.S. Senator Marsha Blackburn of uh, Tennessee, who is also very outspoken on China. In fact, has uh, introduced, uh, actually issued a letter today on that. Marsha, welcome back to the program. Good to be with you. Thank you. Uh, you have been very outspoken on China from uh, from the start. In fact, uh, today uh, you uh, have taken additional actions calling for uh, actions against China. Yes, this is something that we continue to work on, whether we are looking at not going to China for the Olympics uh, having our athletes not participate in the Beijing Games, uh, encouraging companies. You were just talking about products from Nike. Also, you've got Apple. You've got the NBA. And, Tony, they're all producing products there in Xinjiang province. And we're very concerned about the genocide being carrying out, carried out on the Uyghurs. And Then you can look at what is happening with the Hong Kong freedom fighters and the abuses that are there, the human rights abuses against them. Uh, We've got Rep McCall and I are working on legislation for some transparency and accountability in the U.N. so that as they are working with these countries, countries that are allies should stand with us in opposing what China is doing. So, yes, you are correct. Letters that we're writing, holding the Biden administration to account, bills that we are filing, trying to keep this illicit product that is made by slave labor out of our market stream here in the United States. And, of course, making certain that we return our critical supply lines from China 
to the U.S. and to our allies. Now, you also sent a letter to the president regarding the cyber attacks coming out of China. Yes. Now, we, we see a lot of that out of Russia, a lot of attention paid to that in Russia, but not so much so on China. What's happening there? Talk about that. Yes. You know, we, we had a couple of hearings yesterday, one in judiciary and one in commerce, that we were looking at the cyber attacks things that are happening on our critical infrastructure, uh, such as the Colonial Pipeline, that took place in our Commerce Committee and ransomware and looking at the distribution of ransomware and the hacks the, and t attacks that that causes, and that is primarily coming out of China. Now, we think President Biden should be more forceful in dealing with China and should impose sanctions on these bad actors. The Microsoft attack, we know that that was China instigated. So we are, we were disappointed. It took the administration a little while to get around to actually acknowledging that there should be sanctions on these bad actors. China needs to be held responsible to, for this. You mentioned uh, Hong Kong and what's happening there. Just yesterday, the first person found guilty under the sweeping new national security law that was uh, basically thrust upon Hong Kong by uh, by China. A 24-year-old man uh, convicted of, of terrorism and uh, for simply carrying a flag with a banned uh, uh, right. slogan of liberty to Hong Kong, uh, now facing uh, life in prison. Uh, but look, China is not backing down, but it does not look like America is taking a strong stand under the Biden administration. Which is astounding to me. And you look at this conviction and the fact that you have a 24-year-old that is going to be in prison for the rest of his life, however long that may end up being, simply because he wanted freedom. Now, that is Hong Kong, and it's because of this China national security law that they put into place. And, Tony, communism will always bring about suffering. It will always bring about pain. People lose their freedom. You can look at what is happening in Cuba right now. Uh, you can look at other efforts that people are, uh, the people of a country like Iran, they are pushing back against their authoritarian regime also and people are desperate to get freedom. And it's very important that the United States stand with them. We are the beacon of freedom and hope and opportunity on the face of the earth. Absolutely. I mean, we should be standing with the people of Cuba, Iran right now, both of those governments having issues mm -hmm. which are destabilizing, and we should show support uh, to those people. I, I want to come home for just a moment. Uh, infrastructure bill, $1.2 trillion. Uh, a word this afternoon, bipartisan agreement has been reached on this bill and that you could be seeing a vote in the Senate on this bill sometime this evening. What's the latest? Well, the motion to proceed will take place this evening. The bill is too too expensive for me some of the pay-fors don't really add up, in my opinion. I do applaud my colleagues that have worked diligently to try to find a bipartisan effort. But when you look at the baseline number, that is probably right around $400 billion, and then you have 
550-plus billion in new spending. And then if you make it an eight-year bill instead of a five-year bill, it grows to the $1.2 trillion. That is something that is of concern for me. I'm all for infrastructure. We all need roads and bridges and highways. But um, I have to tell you, um, it needs to be done with money that is left over from the CARES Act and from COVID and not with using or trying to appropriate new money. Tony, so many of these programs will have outlived their usefulness by the time our children and grandchildren have to start paying for this bill. Right. And, and, and remember, this is just one bill of many. Uh, on the right. heels of this, they want to push the right. $3.5 trillion uh, human infrastructure bill that they're uh, pushing. So, Which the, is actually a $5 trillion bill. Right. Right. I know. <laughs> they play. But what's a trillion? A trillion here, a trillion there. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's sad, but that's where we've, uh, we've gotten to. Yeah where we just throw so around these massive numbers. So does the do, do, do the Democrats get the 60 votes to proceed tonight? What do you think? I don't know if they will or not. Um, you know, they um, there are probably 10 votes in the Republican conference that will allow them to proceed past that. I don't know if they'll get the 60 votes that they need for cloture without making some uh, substantial changes to the bill. I mean, what Nancy Pelosi said in the House, that she won't proceed with the $3.5 trillion, uh, or I'm sorry, she won't proceed with the $1.2 trillion infrastructure until she has the 3.5. So if you don't give her the 1.2, then you don't have to worry about the 3.5. I mean, I think what we're doing is uh, facilitating <laughs> their massive spending. Yes, <laughs> I, I think that is uh, that is a good way to look at it. You know, if you give them this, they're telling you they're going to go ahead and spend three point five trillion dollars more. And what we have to realize is this. When we think about our nation's debt, the entire time from George Washington to George W. Bush, our nation accrued ten point six trillion dollars in debt. The Biden-Obama years, Obama-Biden administration, they doubled that number. That's what took us up to about $22 trillion in debt. President Trump added to that because of COVID. We had a very expensive $3 trillion year last year. And now, in six months, Joe Biden has pushed us right up to about $30 trillion. This presidency is too expensive to afford. Yeah, we've we've set like this new level of spending. It wasn't uh, yes. instead of being seen as an emergency spending that this was because yes. of the covid. It became like the new level of spending. And, and I, I failed to mention the three point five trillion will be done under budget reconciliation procedures. So the Republicans won't be needed for that one. It'll just be 50 right. votes uh, plus the vice president, and it passes. So if the Republicans want to stop this train, uh, they would be smart to join you in not voting for this uh, infrastructure bill. Well, you know, we are very concerned about the level of spending, and we're concerned about spending that is going for, for programs. Let me give you just one quick example. Electric vehicles. They're trying to force the issue of going from gas-powered cars to electric vehicles. Tony, we do not have the electric power generation capacity, distribution capacity, or network to facilitate 
um, a, an electric vehicle fleet. We do not have uh, the, the technology and batteries that will carry you for 500 miles, 600 miles. So they're putting the cart before the horse there, and they're going to end up with cars that just really can't go very far. Well, in this case, it's so, the car before the battery. Uh, yes, exactly. It, Very true. It, but it's just another example of not thinking through. In yes. fact, this bill's not even written uh, in its entirety. That's right. This is we have not seen the text. Right. It's like Nancy Pelosi. Let's pass it, then we'll uh, we'll see what's in it. Uh, back when she That's talked it. about Obamacare, uh, not a good way to do business. Uh, not a good way You're at right. all. Right. Uh, Senator Marsha Blackburn, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Good talking with you. Thank you. All right. Senator Marsha Blackburn of uh, Tennessee, a, a real fighter. Uh, on uh, Capitol Hill. Forgot to mention, she's going to be meeting with some of the Olympi- Olympians tomorrow. She's been a big supporter of protecting women's sports. Uh, in fact, uh, if we'd had more time, I would have talked with her about that today. All right, let me encourage you. Go ahead and take the poll. I'm going to leave it open. I'll report the results tomorrow. What do you think? The COVID vaccine, should it be mandatory or should it be personal choice? All right. Text the word radio to five, three, four, four, five. Take the poll. I'll give you the results tomorrow night. Also, tune in this evening for Pray Vote Stand, 8 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to be taking a look at the Hyde Amendment named for Henry Hyde. It is what protects you from being forced to fund elective abortions. That's on the chopping block with Democrats. They want to force everyone into partnership with Planned Parenthood. We're going to be talking about it, praying about it tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, prepared, taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.